Algar Productions. Algar Productions. You are listening to the Post Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 284, covering Extreme Risk and In the Flesh. I was going to say hi, friends, but then Matt started singing. Night train to Mundo Fini. I think we're going to watch Red Zone Cuba instead of Star Trek this week. I think That's so, just... too. Would you Would you rather watch the actual Red Zone Cuba or the Mystery Science Theater Red Zone Cuba? I would watch the original Red Zone Cuba once. I see. I wouldn't even want and to. And probably that. with you. Well, all right. <laughs> and we would just recite the MST jokes. Almost definitely. So we might as well just watch the yeah. MST version. Probably for the best. Yeah. Hi, friends. So this week we have an episode with the word extreme in it because yeah, so 90s. You don't get much more 90s. Well, I guess if you took the E out at the beginning and just called it extreme risk. Yeah. Or three um, X's. That's a good one. Yeah. Then you could have Xander Kane in it. <laughs> Your favorite character, Xander Kane. Now, he was only my favorite character until Balthazar Edison came on. Then, then Balthazar Edison. So, like, Edison what, an hour on. later? Yeah. But for like, that, that hour, was the, he was riding high. That was the most ridiculous name I'd ever heard until Balthazar Edison, which still, still ridiculous. In case you were wondering, that's the Balthazar Edison update. Balthazar Edison, out with Xander Cage again. <laughs> Pretty good. You it just helps got that- this song out of your head. It helps that that's that you get again because mm-hmm. you can basically rhyme anything with it. That that, that's my usual go-to. Yeah, if I really want to work at it, I can probably think of some better lyrics. But most well, of the you time, had, you had medicine once. Yep, that, that was, was a good one. Good. Yep, uh, those heady days. But anyway, uh, extreme risk is uh, not the most '90s episode they've done, but uh, it does got, have skydiving in it. It and and a pointy ship. Uh huh. Uh, but why don't you tell us? Why All don't right. you tell us about the tale of the extreme risk? All right, so things are rough on Voyager. What with the Malon, those aliens from last week, who I guess are just a race of nasty-ass garbage men that are trying to steal one of our precious probes? The probe falls down what basically amounts to an interstellar couch cushion, and now it's a race against time to recover it for some reason. Paris and company begin building the Delta Flyer, a new shuttlecraft now available at your local Toys R Us. Some assembly required. Your parents put it together. Batteries not included. You put the decals on or decals. <laughs> Meanwhile, Bolana has decided that now is a good time to be upset about all those dead Maquis from last season and has taken to fling yourself off of tall things in the holodeck and turning off all the safeties like she was wharf in a sulk. When she accidentally comas herself, the doctor finds evidence of her past injuries and Chuck kidnaps her to a depressing holodeck program where he yells at her. I guess he snaps her out of it because then she's ready to go on the big adventure against the garbage people and saves the day or whatever. The end. <laughs> I, I had to. I, I'm following along with the text like we do, and I because otherwise I I might have thought you said uh, she combs herself. Yes, she combs herself. Comas, you said. Yes, comas, and not combs. We all take some time out of the day to comb ourselves. Yeah, we Sean Puffy combs ourselves. Yes, uh, this, we Sean uh, P Diddy Puffy combs ourselves. Oh, I don't know what he is now. I just like th- this is 1998 we're talking about, so it still would have just been like. Puffy, I assume. Wouldn't he? Wouldn't that mean he was Puff Daddy? Maybe. I know he was this, Puff Daddy. This is around the time he was agreeing with Kashmir. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> where he yeah. did that song for uh, for Godzilla, where he's like, uh-huh, yeah. yeah. And then, like, the, the, the riff from Kashmir. Two things I like is uh, Godzilla and types of sweaters. <laughs> well, friend. And if I can get Godzilla wearing a type of sweater, honey, <laughs> that's a good day for me. I don't, me. Think, I don't Sean, think you do like Godzilla. Oh, Puffed you're talking. Daddy, P. Diddy, Diddy Combs the third. The third? Yeah. Who are the other two? I mean, you know, Sean Puff Daddy P Diddy Diddy Combs the first. Oh, okay. I, I can Sean I can see where this is Puff going. Daddy, we don't need P. to. Diddy, oh, you're gonna Diddy say it. Combs okay. Junior. <laughs> junior. Junior. We named Where? the dog. We named the dog Sean Puff Daddy <laughs> P Diddy Diddy. Say Combs. it again, aren't you? <laughs> oh boy. You know what they say? Rule of as many as I can get away with saying before the episode ends. Yes. Scott Zioko was disappointed that when I made a reference uh, to uh, turn on your crotch light last week, I didn't sing the entire song. Because if there's one thing I know about jokes is the longer you stretch them out, the funnier they are. That is the family I rule. Yeah, no thank you. Here's a fight with a chicken for 20 minutes. That was funny the first time. It was funny the first time. It was also funny the second time, and that was the end. No, I didn't think it was funny the second time. Anyway, we are not talking about Star Trek. sure aren't. I... This episode, this episode is fine. I actually liked it. Like, it's just, it feels very, um, I don't know, space Philly to me. I see. I disagree. I think it it addresses a bad thing that you had a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. which was why the fuck aren't they more concerned about their dead friends? Yep. And one of them is. Yeah. One of and them is. I, I I mean, granted, it comes from out of nowhere. Yep. After weeks and weeks of just, like, getting on with business, suddenly well, I mean, she's I upset the about it. Problem is, like, uh, I looked at Memory Alpha, and I, apparently it was only two episodes. Oh, okay. Um, I could be wrong about that, but um, but there was also, like, a season gap, which, you mm-hmm. know, means all, guess... it feels like a lot more time has passed. And now, ju- it just feels like now Bolana's like, oh, my friends are dead. Yeah. I need to learn how to feel again. Uh, see, I like that. It, on paper, and yeah, we can make jokes because that's what we're here for, of course. Sure. But like, on paper, it sounds kind of lame. But mm. honestly, like, I liked it. I like she kind of became a cutter. Yeah. She kind of like, she cut herself to feel kind of thing. Mm. And I like that. Like, I like that. We had that, you reminded me, I, I had forgotten about this, but we had that uh, Chief O'Brien is suicidal uh, episode on DS9. Yes. But we don't get a lot of this usually. No, not really. And depression for, isn't, depression is kind of a thing that we don't have in Star Trek, it feels like. I, it's not really a thing they dealt with in any kind of realistic fashion on TV at all. Like, it's mm. not really Star Trek's fault. TV didn't know how to deal with it. They're only just starting to, I yeah, think, honestly. Much. But I feel like it's... It's a step in the right direction, like, a, especially someone with some Klingon blood in them, mm-hmm. like, might do something a little violent and hostile yeah, like to feel something. Yeah, like Skeletor. Uh, yeah. That was just, like, that was just the TV version of going down to the gym, though. Yeah. You know, that's not really, like, that weird. Whereas this was a little weird, but I don't know. I got it. Like, I kind of dug it, mm-hmm. and I liked... I liked that Tom wasn't really part of her recovery. Yeah, no, Tom was busy with his new with his new car, which I like. Like, I like that too. I like I like that shuttle. I like that that it's his project. It was yep. supposed to be their project, but she's wrapped up in this, so it's his project. Mm. And I like that 
he didn't swoop in and save the day for her. Well, and that actually makes a lot of sense to me. We've been talking about uh, the improvement of Tom Paris, but he's still Tom Paris, and I completely buy him being not realizing that his girlfriend is like going through a bunch of crap because he's got a new car to play with. Uh, see, I didn't, I didn't interpret it that way. I don't think that that's why. I think he tried to help her, and I think she pushed him away. I could see that, too. That, but also, actually, he, that is a very Bolana thing to do. Right. But also, he doesn't have the emotional maturity to persist after that. Yeah. Like, oh, she told me not to worry about it, so I'm not worrying about she, it. She said she wanted space. I'm giving her space. Yeah. I mean, I and, said, there's like, look out the window, there's lots of space, and then she hit me. But uh, I, I had that coming, really. I mean, <sighs> you know, that's, our, that's kind of our thing. We hate puns. <laughs> so, you know. No, I don't know. I I dug it. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, my good thing, yes, is uh, Chuck. Credit where it's due. He he talked Balana off the ledge uh, as both the first officer and probably her closest friend. It made sense that he'd be the one to reach out to her. Mm-hmm. And for a minute, Robert Beltran almost had me believing he was a human with hum- actual compassion for another human's feel. Well, person, another half human's feelings. Mm-hmm. Hard to believe, but there it is. No, I, I, good for you, Robert. Yeah, it was a good, it was a good scene. It was a good, like, like he dragged her to the holodeck and forced her. That was a little weird. But, mm-hmm. but once they started talking, it was actually kind of powerful, I, I thought. And he carried it for a change. Yeah. It's about Seemed time. Like he showed up that five day. Years. Yeah. No, he showed up that day. It was yep. nice. And I wish we'd see more of that. Mm-hmm. But it, it did, it, like, it made more sense for it to be him. Because Tom would be like, well, they were Maki. Who cares? Yeah. Or he'd be like, oh, well, they're dead. That sucks. But I left everything behind, too. Who cares? Yeah. You know, like, I don't think he would relate the same way. I don't. We're having cool space adventures. What the fuck do you care about these idiots? Yeah. Although, uh, and this is your quote, Chuck d- doesn't, still doesn't really care that much. Not really. When you look at those corpses, how do you feel? Sad. That's, uh, that's, that's our Chuck. I just love, uh, look around you. What do you. When you look at these, what do you feel? Sad? I don't know. I, I look. I'm real sorry. I don't. I only know what emotions are by observing them and other people. Yeah, I, actually, am what's I supposed known to... as a sociopath. I mean, you know, we already have that with Seven. Mm-hmm. He's just terrible. Yep. With her, it's because she didn't ever really have emotions, but he's just terrible. Mm-hmm. Just, just not. It's great. like you're supposed to have emotions. Really? Yeah. I don't remember anyone mentioning that. No, it never came up. Weird. People just assumed I had them. I didn't want to be rude and tell them I didn't. Yeah. Like that Tuvok guy. Yeah. I can be a Vulcan. I'm a Vulcan. (laughs) Well, his story checks out. Oh, well then. If you say you're that thing, you must be that thing. I'm Captain Picard. Obviously, mm-hmm. um, but you actually you you liked this. Uh, this was your good thing. The, just this whole development. Yeah, as we well. kind of talked like, about it already. But like the the fact that this is a callback to you know, Balana finding out about the all the Maquis dying and it being important to her. Like it should be important to that character. This is the only family she had up until now. Right. Um, right. And you know, big part of the, that recovery is like, well, you don't need those guys anymore. You've got this cool current family. Full okay. Of weird jerks. Okay, but, like, I mostly built a new life here in Seattle, and I left some people behind on the East Coast, and if they all suddenly died, I might feel a thing. Mm-hmm. That doesn't seem that unrealistic. But, yeah, whatever. Yeah. The important no, thing I, is that we have some actual continuity. Let's... Yeah. 
bask in that for a second. And I like that, again, that like the show's trying to deal with the way people process grief and trauma and that sort of yeah. thing. Like it's it's very TV. Like, let's be clear. There's mm. at the in the last act, suddenly she just like snaps out of it and everything's fine. And that is not how it works. No, it's like, well, it's the end of the episode. I might as well be. Oh, I should probably be done with this now. Yeah, I'm going to use I'm going to use my sadness and anger to, uh, you know, propel myself to fix the ship, which is actually a really cool scene. Like it is. It's very, you know, tidy TV like, OK, and now she learns something and everything is good and she saves the day. Oh, it totally but, is. But I like watching, but it's done well. I like watching her run around and like fix shit and everything while the rest of these idiots are just like, what? Oh, God, fuck Harry. Like they're they're in the new shuttle. Yeah, speaking with the rest of these idiots. Yeah. Harry's like. <sighs> She's like, uh, can we do anything about this? And he just says, no. No. Like, seriously, that's his tone. Just like, eh. We're gonna die. Oh, well. This episode's not about me, so I don't care. Yeah. Whatever. This, is, this episode isn't about me and the beautiful women I'm gonna sleep with. Ooh, I, where are the beautiful women I was promised? <laughs> yeah. Just, uh, terrible. But yeah, watching her run around and, like, MacGyver the ship back together yep. was pretty cool. No, I like, I there's it. a scene where she just yanks off a fucking piece of metal or whatever and sticks it somewhere else i'm like yeah like and shoves this. a shoves a phaser into it and yep. makes the phaser do a different thing yep. and like there's this whole elaborate rube goldberg thing and i like it i always think it's cool when like you've got to watch people like jury rig crap with other sci-fi crap actually i think she might have used some of seven's nanoprobes so it could be described as a rube goldborg device <laughs> damn it <laughs> but yeah no, I, I i enjoyed that um mm -hmm. my bad thing though Yes. I ended up liking I ended up liking the reveal, like I said, but I'm so tired of episodes where a character's not acting like themselves, and it's a big mystery for over half the episode. Mm -hmm. Like in broad storytelling terms, it's not a bad thing. Like I see it in a lot of shows, and it's usually done pretty well. But in Star Trek, it's been used way too often, and we just have this formula now yep. where it's like, oh, what are they doing? Are they possessed? Is this a dream? Is it an alternate reality? Is there? And it's just a normal character thing that was actually pretty cool when the reveal came and it wasn't a dumb thing which yeah. i liked but like why the mystery just like i don't uh, it bugs me it really bugs me it just it's it's a it feels like a very tv writer thing to like we'll, we'll use this to grab their attention they'll be all like what's wrong with balana i know what's but wrong in, like in the teaser it's fine but this went on for like three or four acts. We yeah. didn't know what was going on with her for a long fucking time. And like, it's just, just like, what is the point of this? It, it's one of the things, like, I was super tuned out the first time I watched this episode because it just feels like a lot of wheel spinning. Like, most of this yeah. episode is based around her feeling sad and everyone else building a spaceship. <laughs> and sometimes the garbage aliens show up. We'll get to yeah, that in we'll, a minute. Yeah, we'll definitely get to that in a minute. Um, no, I just, like... <sighs> I was interested in what she was going through, and it sucked that we only actually talked about it for 10 minutes. And for 30 minutes, we talked. We were wondering what was wrong with her. Yeah. I actually thought she might be pregnant for a bit. Oh, yeah. She's said she's sick, and she's acting all out of sorts. And I know that is, it's, I've been spoiled that at some point she and Tom are going to have a kid. Yeah, so like That, that uh, is TV code for pregnant. Yeah, this woman is acting strangely, mm -hmm. and the, often the reveal is because they're going to have a baby. Ugh. Ugh. Okay. No babies. I don't even care about that. I it, that doesn't bother me, and I I actually I liked this with Ensign. Oh man! Thank you. Like I like the idea of uh, they're kind of touching on that generation ship thing. Mm -hmm. Like it's in a lot of sci-fi. Like we're on this ship that might take seventy-five years to get home. I like that a new 
generation of people like there's a there's an outside possibility that we're going to be dead and our children are going to show up at earth when the ship finally gets back i kind of like that like that doesn't bother me but i just i thought for a while that was the signal they were sending and it's just like get on with it tell me what's going on so we could like it wasn't interesting suspense it was just irritating yeah it's irritating suspense yeah and there's a difference and like i say so irritating i hope it won't last (laughs) Like I say, other shows do it effectively. Mm-hmm. A character is acting out of character. What's going on? But Star Trek has done it so many times. I just, it's its hard to be engaged anymore. Yeah. Well, I mean, Voyager, and, like, Star Trek's been doing it for, you know, as long as we've yeah. been watching it. But Voyager touches on it so often, too, you know? Yeah. Like, that's one of their go-tos. Yeah, and I don't like a lot of their go-tos. Tom Paris's hair is mussed up. Something must be wrong. Well, who knows? Harry so, yeah. Kim doesn't care about his clarinet. <laughs> Something must be wrong with him. What's wrong with the special boy? Harry Kim's Harry Net. <laughs> That's that a stretch. I'm not proud of that one. No. I mean, really, uh, Neelix should be wearing the Harry Net. Yes. It, when he's fandling food. Look, I want to apologize. That worked really well in my head. No, I understand. I was real proud of it and just, uh. Yeah. No, I get it. Um... I think we've touched on all the Balana stuff, though, so we can move on oh, to man. some of the other aspects of okay, the Okay, uh... l- let me talk about my bad thing. Yeah, absolutely. I'm super excited about this. Mm-hmm. So, um, a couple episodes back, I forget how many, uh, we got introduced to the, uh, what is it, the Moran? The Moran. Mo- Malon. The Malon. Yeah. Um, no, it was last week. Was it was it really it last? Was, okay, good. All right. So last it was week, either the first or second episode. All right. So last week we got introduced to the Malon, um, who are represented by a evil Captain Planet villain who was flushing garbage into uh, this this uh, empty part of space. Uh huh. So apparently uh, the Trek writers just decided that uh, n- not that this is just a garbage man who like happened to be disgusting, but it's an entire race of disgusting garbage people. Uh huh. Um, I love them. Do you? I'm sure I will tire of this really quickly. Oh, you're, they, you're enjoying the shtick. If is what they you're keep saying. showing up, but right now, I love this race of just just disgusting Captain Planet villains flying around in their rusty piece of shit <laughs> garbage ships that are literally spraying green farts out. <laughs> That's true. They have little fart clouds coming out of them. We 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 every time we cut like. The captain will fucking talk to them or whatever, and it's just a fucking greasy-ass piece of shit rat man in a big diving bell costume who's just like, <laughs> oh, you came close to our, uh, to our trash pile. <laughs> they sound like, um, or they look like the, uh, the dad from You Can't Do That on Television. I think I said that last week, yes. but, uh. Alistair yeah. or, or Barth from Barth's Burgers, who is the same character. What do you think's in the burgers? Yeah, I heard that. But yeah, they you know, riding around in their brown dwarf. They're delightful. Um Are they? Yes! I okay. love this fuck look, man, I'm a fucking 90s kid. I've seen so many fucking villains growing up who are just like owned pollution factories or just yeah that's fair like but these guys are on like a throne of old diapers yeah like <laughs> dropping eggshells and coffee grounds and like syringes on people as weapons and, it's like uh, it's like if there was a race of oscar the grouches just flying around in garbage cans no because oscar the grouch has a bit of like that bones like cranky but kind of funny yep. thing these guys don't have that no we uh, 
I doubt anyone who listens to this has heard of this, but we when I was a kid growing up, uh, there was a show called The Smoggies that was basically a cartoon about weird little elf people and the the, the disgusting people who lived on a steamship that was just surrounded by oil and just <clears throat> loved trash. Nope, never heard of it. No, I imagine you didn't. I imagine most I, people listening to this haven't heard of it. But you can I look thought it you up. meant I thought you meant the Soggies, who were the villains in Captain Crunch cartoons. Well, Soggies may rule, Al, but uh, um, what? But it just it, it was a wonderful fucking callback to that to that show for me, and just I I, I love this concept so much. It's so stupid. Well, fair enough. But you love it because you hate it. Oh, yeah. No, it's completely You'd... idiotic, and I think it has no place in fucking Star Trek. Like, it's your bad thing, even though you're enjoying it. Yes. Okay, fair enough. But No, like I say, I liked that before when it was one guy out of this culture. But it's like the first person we meet of that race does not necessarily represent what they're all like. It's like not every Ferengi has to be like the first crouching yeah. laser whip guys. That's the thing. And I think I actually talked about this when they showed up uh, last week is like, I like that this is a this is not the culture. This is just a guy. Yeah, you did. And now, nope, it is just it's No, it's a race of fucking trash-ass garbage fart people. <laughs> trash-ass garbage fart people. <laughs> Why don't they just call them that? All rise for our national anthem. <laughs> it's the brown noise. <laughs> yeah, just just terrible. Yeah. Also, We're looking what? forward to trading with you people. I hope you like jars of toenails. <laughs> <laughs> that seems way too organized. <laughs> I hope you like this sweater full of toenails. Yeah, that's much better. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's pleasant. You're listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast, bringing you sweaters full of toenails. <laughs> Bring your gag reflex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay, so what was so special about this probe? We watched the episode twice and still could not figure I out. I have like, no fucking idea. They were desperately trying to get this probe back. Like the and only I, the only thing I can figure, and I assume this when I was watching the episode, is that, like, you know, it's Voyager, so they've only got a limited amount of probes. But th if the show kept track of that, like how many photons we have, how many probes we have, that would be interesting. But they never do. Yeah, like th this is the first time anyone's ever given a shit about that, in, like the entire yeah. series. Like, and the thing is, it's a very old school, like original series kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Like we have to, we have to chase down this probe before the enemy gets it. That's that's kind of a cool, almost Cold War kind of thing. Yeah, but it's not like there's vital information on the probe or anything. No. They just want their fucking probe back. Yeah, I guess because otherwise these guys are gonna jam it in a pool of liquid that smells like old eggs mm -hmm. and like uh, rotted oatmeal and you know uh, uh, some kind of rotten fruit. <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to paint a picture of garbage, and I'm running out of things. Quick, rub it down with orange peels. I, there we go. I uh, I blew my diaper wad early, so, you know. Yeah, sorry. I'm usually... not, I don't think I'm going to do better than sweater full of toenails. <laughs> no. And I mean in my life. like. Yeah. No, you're not going to top that. No. That's true. Um, but, like. But I didn't get why they were after the probe at all. It did not make sense. Like, I, from what I know, like, we talked about this during the episode, like. A lot of the times, ships will just throw probes away. Yeah, the you Enterprise know, like, constantly. Like you send a probe into like a into like a gas giant because you need to scan it or whatever, and you're not expecting to get it back. Or you send it into some place that you're scared the ship might not survive. Yeah. So you send a probe because it can send back data until it's until it blows up, and then you're like, okay, that's not safe. Let's yeah. not go there. 
like they're expendable. Like if you'd asked me, I would figure probes are like the easiest fucking thing, and that like you can replicate one of those in a couple of minutes. Well, given that the a, a good chunk of this episode is about building an entire new shuttle mm-hmm. from scratch, yep. Surely building a, like all it is is a casing with some sensors and like a transmitter, yeah. right? Like, all it does is look around and tell the ship what it sees. It doesn't do anything more than that. Yeah, look around you. What, have you found the thing we're looking for yet? Mm-hmm. It's it's a sweater full of toenails. <laughs> I don't want to look for that anymore. <laughs> Write that in your copybook. <laughs> yeah, it's, I just didn't... the old boot I was fush, fishing for. I just, I didn't get why they were after it. But it didn't really bother me that yeah. much, so you know, whatever. It's just weird, you know. Like it's it's a weird thing to have to make this life or death struggle about. Although I guess it's not it, that important to the episode. No, and I, if they had just said there's sensitive data, these guys aren't uh, advanced enough, or you know something. But they didn't, as far as I know. I mean, I might have missed it, but I watched it twice. So I, I'm know. I'm sorry. The phrase sensitive data just makes me think of data holding a rose and reading a poem. Yeah, that's about right. Um. I like Delta Flyer. You you were not on board with that. I, for for a, for a ship designed by by uh, I almost said Tom Servo by Tom <laughs> Paris. Um, it's very squat and like I would have thought like something sort of X wingy meets a meets a hot rod. But uh, the thing is, he wanted to do that stuff. We had a whole scene where Tuvok keeps shooting down his ideas. Like, no, don't put fins on it. That doesn't make sense. What exactly is a spoiler for? Yeah. Mr. Paris. It's to look cool. Yeah. Come on. Looking cool. I'm punching speed holes into it. It makes the ship go faster. I saw that in an ancient 20th century television show. No, I, I. the thing is, I believe that Tom wanted to make it look cool. And this is like this is like that that old, you know, building an elephant by committee thing. Sure. This is like Tuvok keeps shooting down his cool ideas until all he's left with is something that looks like it should be cool but isn't. Mm-hmm. I kind of like that, but it—I I, I don't know. It's—it's it's sleeker. Yeah. Like it's—it's it's more aerodynamic and less boxy than your usual shuttles. And I, I don't know. I liked it. I will say I like the interior quite a bit. Yeah. Um, we no, also he did. About this. Uh, it's a big fuck. Like it's a basically it's a, it's a like a three seater. Um, yeah, it's bigger than a runabout even. Yeah. It's a three it's a three seater troop storage vehicle. Uh huh. Um, but it's got like like there's some really neat stuff in there like uh the uh Tom's got like at his cockpit that's not right his, at his station at his station um it's a bunch of like old school like uh like actual buttons and dials and stuff no he talked about i i think uh seven mentioned that his design aesthetic was inspired by his captain proton thing yeah and i like that some of that made it in there because this is the dumb thing i'm into this week so this is yeah. what you know like my computer wallpaper is the tv show i'm watching right now yeah. kind of thing that's cool i like that yeah this is what i like and we're gonna do this at least for where i sit yeah. No, that was cool. Mm-hmm. And I, I like Delta Flyer always makes me think of Radio Flyer, which is a brand of little red wagon. Yep. And uh, I just had a terrible movie about child abuse, as I recall. I don't remember that. Yeah. But uh, I just I keep wanting like they say the Delta Flyer and they cut and I keep expecting them to be in a red wagon. <laughs> and they're not. And I'm very disappointed in that. <laughs> just riding down a hill like a Calvin and Hobbes strip. Yeah, exactly. And Tuvok singing a song about painting your wagon. Seven will make an excellent Hobbs. Yeah, that's true. I just I'm I'm seeing that perfectly in my mind now. I'm picturing her regeneration cube being like when Hobbs was in the dryer, mm-hmm. and then she and uh, she she and Harry are throwing water balloons at Harry from the uh, 
Or she and she and Tom are throwing water balloons at Harry from the treehouse. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Get rid of gross special boys. <laughs> All right. Oh, and uh, and then at the end we have uh, Bellana's uh, depression is cured because she eats banana pancakes. Yep. Which I can't have banana pancakes anymore because of some health concerns, and now that made me depressed. So thanks, episode. Mm. Sorry, Al. Now you're not. I'm a little you don't sorry. Care. No, you don't care. I think you should be able to eat pancakes if you want them. I I mean, I could, but I'd die. I think you should be able to eat pancakes if you want to and not die of them. Oh, well, this is my life now. All right, you got anything else for this episode? I think that's it. All right. I, I didn't hate it. Like, I would even say yes. that uh, they're, they're on a streak. Like, I liked the season finale. I liked the first two, and I liked this one and the next one. Yeah. Like, I... These two were not amazing. They were good for Voyager, mm-hmm. as opposed to just great Star Trek or great TV. These were pretty good for Voyager. Yeah, you did a you did an okay job, guys. Uh, grading on a curve, they're like a B. Grading like objectively, they're like a C. Mm-hmm. That's that's how I would judge them. My BC. Yes. All right. Moving on now to in the flesh. In the which, flesh, which is also very nineties sounding for some reason. A bit, yeah. They should have called like extreme flesh. Ew. That would have been the most, the most 90s. Here we go. We open at the immaculately kept grounds of Starfleet Academy in the only city that exists on Earth, San Francisco. What? This can't be right. Voyager takes place in the Delta Quadrant, not on Earth. So why is Chakotay here? And why is he claiming that his name is Jason? Strap in for another mind-blowing mystery, folks. Chuck Jason chats with Boothby, the galaxy's most important groundskeeper, assuming groundskeeper Willie is dead by now. Then goes on a date with Archer. No, not that Archer. Or that one. This is a Starfleet commander who would go on to play Colonel Ty's horrible wife on Battlestar Galactica. While they're hanging out at the Quantum Cafe, which is apparently a real establishment that exists at Starfleet Academy, they notice one of their human compadres having a seizure of some kind and being enveloped by some kind of weird CGI symptoms. The plot thickens, I guess. Chuck Jason leaves the Quantum Cafe... Ugh. and meets up with Tuvok, and is then accosted by an ensign whom Tuvok promptly nerve pinches. Then they beam back to Voyager because, huh, his name isn't Jason, and this isn't Earth! My mind is blown! The doctor examines the ensign and finds some kind of on-off switch in his DNA, which reverts him back to his true form, species I'm running out of number jokes. Turns out they've created this whole elaborate duplicate Earth and duplicate Starfleet Academy to practice infiltrating the Federation, because that all makes total sense as long as you don't think about it at all. Seriously, don't think about it. Close your eyes, Marion. Voyager confronts the aliens, who are led by Boothby for some reason, and Janeway actually makes some kind of treaty arrangement with them. Also, Archer, not, not that one, or the other one, decides that she likes being human because being human is the greatest thing in the history of forever. Star Trek! Yep. Star Trek. Yeah. I'm just going to jump right into my bad thing here. Sure. So these guys are going to disguise themselves as humans to infiltrate Earth. Uh Uh-huh. Where have I seen this plot before? Specifically, where on Star Trek have I seen this plot before? Oh, the entire other series that's running concurrently with this one. Right, that one. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, um, like, in theory, well, okay, in theory, I thought this concept was stupid. Yeah. Um... I know it's one of those things, like I say, you can't think about it for anything, like uh, even a second. But like if uh, putting that aside is not bad, but the the plan makes no sense. I just like, first of all, I like the idea of species Uh being like, you know, this new 
like weird thing that like you know they're from like weird fluidic space and they don't have mouths and stuff so like what's the second thing we do with them is we make them human and that way they can start talking to us yeah it's like guys you had a really good concept you had a like like an alien for the first time in a a long time unique alien and then you just like yeah and they're people whatever We're, we're teaching them that being human is fucking great well it's interesting because you had that as your bad thing, but you also kind of had it as your good thing. Yeah, well, I'm complicated. No, um, no, that's fine, but let's talk about it. Yeah, like... Uh, on the one hand, it's very Star Trek. Like, the yeah, idea of humanity being infectious, that's basically the most Star Trek concept you can Yeah, get. I pretended to be a human, and then I ended up liking it because being a human is great. Yeah. But on the other hand, it's a, like, I would have been fine with this for, like, I don't know... Oh, wait, I would have been fine with this if it was the fucking Dominion. Yeah. Um, like, it just seems like, especially since this is only, like, what, our second, maybe third episode with Species I think so. I think because we had them in Scorpion, and then we had them briefly. Oh, yeah, and then um, in that one where the uh, hunter species. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then this, and that's it. And yeah. according to Memory Alpha, that's it, like, as far as focus episodes on them. Seriously? Like, they come up briefly, either in a flashback or time travel or whatever, but, like, oh. this is the last episode to focus on them. Oh, what a waste. Yeah. That's, oh, well, now I'm mad about that. Oh, like, sorry. God, mm, like, guys, you may, you have a great new, like, interesting villain, and, like, this is what Voyager should be about, is new crap we've never seen before, and they're just fucking human. You yeah. know, like, fine. But on the other hand, it was also your good thing. Yeah. I mean, I don't have as much to talk about there. I just like that it's a it's a con it's a Star Trek concept, and you know, I like that. So you like it in general? You just don't specifically like Voyager doing it? No, I just don't like it. I don't like them doing it with uh, Species Eight. Ah, uh, okay. Fair I think it's wasting. Like, I think it's a waste of that that alien. Yeah. No. I or, get or it. That villain, basically. The thing is, every Star Trek villain really gets this eventually. Mm. Yep. Like. The Klingons eventually mm-hmm. became friends, and the Ferengi eventually became friends, and now the Borg, at least through Seven, mm-hmm. like this, just this, this is the natural progression of hostile races on Star Trek. But it sure happened quick with these guys. Yeah, three episodes, man. But the thing is, and my good thing is actually that Kate making peace with species OU eight one eight is very Star Trek. Like in addition to the human thing, mm-hmm. her being ready to go to war, but finding a diplomatic solution and doing it because yep. she's awesome. Yep. Like, it was a super, like, this is the ideal of a Starfleet captain. I've got to make peace with these guys, even though we don't trust them. Like, mm. you know what? We never really tried diplomacy. We just went in fighting. Maybe yep. we should try to talk first. And, and I, I, I like that. Yeah. And I like her, like, you know, it's nice seeing the, all right, cards on the table. Here's everything. We're being completely straightforward and honest with you. All we're asking is that you be completely straightforward and honest with us, and we can figure something out. Yeah. So, like, yeah, no, I like that a lot. I just wish it wasn't these guys. Yeah, agreed. And, again, now they go away. Yeah. And because what I was reading was one of the writers was saying, yeah, we didn't really mean to neuter these guys. It just happened that this was the last time you see them in any major capacity, and then we go away. And Mm. it's like, this wasn't really meant to be the last, you know, story with these guys. It just just kind of worked out that That way. That sucks, man. There's, like, two more seasons of this show left. Yeah, but what I've always said is 
because they're supposed to be traveling at high speed across the galaxy, they shouldn't be dealing with any one race for very long. I agree with that, except for the fact that at, since they're not from any part of space, they're from a different reality, basically. You can crack into fluidic space anytime you fucking want. Okay, I don't I don't remember how that relates to normal space. Like, I don't know if it's one of those deals like hyperspace or whatever. You can cut through it or like, I don't know. I mean, um, I could be wrong about this. I thought this was why it would be so easy for them to like invade the Alpha Quadrant is that all they have to do is open a door in the Alpha Quadrant. Well, that's the thing. I don't know. Like, I, I don't know at all. Mm -hmm. And I don't like it's like I said, don't think about their plot because it makes no sense. Like, yeah. OK, they've created a whole separate simulation of Starfleet Academy and they say they have a bunch of them. Yep. 70 years from yeah, however close, much closer. We were 75 years to start with. So mm. let's say 70 years away from the Alpha Quadrant. Already outdated, wearing the wrong uniforms with a bunch of Ferengi there. Oh, yeah, that who, was weird. Like, Nog is in Starfleet now, but he's wearing a different uniform. Like, there's so many things, mm. even as a just a guy who only sees it from time to time, could say, well, that's wrong. That's wrong. And, like... What, are the, what is their next step here to then go on a ship that takes 70 years to get to Earth and blend in? Yeah, apparently. Well, l listen, guys, not only like you're you're only one uh, Trek costume behind right now. But do you ha have any idea how often Starfleet changes its uniforms? Oh, yeah. No, I mean, Next Gen had a different uniform than DS9, which then had a different uniform than later DS9. Yeah, like this is the thing that Starfleet does a lot. Yeah. And let's not even talk about what happened very briefly during the motion picture era. Yeah. Uh -huh. The less said about that, the better. Oh, when everyone just it simultaneously decided they didn't really want to get out of bed that week. <laughs> when when Disco Bones in his off-duty disco outfit yep. looked more professional than everyone in uniform. Mm. My favorite is still Spock's cape, which I know is a Vulcan uniform, but damn. Yeah. I don't know that it was a uniform. I think it was just his Vulcan civilian. Casual like Vulcan cape. Maybe it was like the Kulinar, like uh, ritual clothing sure. or something, at the monastery or whatever. My, my 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 favorite episode of the original series was definitely Spock's cape. Yeah, it was a pretty good one. Mm -hmm. I followed closely by Spock's muumuu. Yep, you know also the episode good. where a bunch of aliens stole Spock's cape. Yeah, cape and cape. What is cape? And he couldn't fly anymore. Because the cape is clearly what makes him fly. Yeah, it's Super Mario World rules. When yeah. Spock wants to fly, he has to spread the cape out and run really fast until his pee meter fills up, and then he can oh, fly away. No, 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 you forgot a step. Mm. He gets a feather. <laughs> That's right. He has to get an which, ancient Vulcan feather. Which is better than at least getting a leaf that makes you grow a raccoon tail. Oh, yeah. That makes you fly. Well, and that's even better, still better than the than the costume that, that makes you a raccoon that can turn into a statue. Oh, right. Let's not forget about that. No. I really liked the power-ups in, uh, in the Wii version, where it was like, uh, you turned into Coily from uh, Spring oh, Fever. Yep. The Spring Mario. And there were a few just crazy ones. So, you don't like springs anymore, eh? No, well, now spring. make it so you get it that way. Yep. That's not how it goes. It's not so you get it that way. You get it that way. That's not... You always quote it that way. It's wrong. Damn it. No, he says, now I'll make it so you get that way. No, get that wish. Seriously? Yes. This changes everything. It does. Not. So, anyway. Speaking yeah. of people who look like Barth from... uh yeah, on television, that. by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I, um... I, okay, so let's say... 
fluidic space does let you exit wherever you want. Yeah. Okay. So Kate has now made friends, at least with this group of guys. Mm -hmm. Couldn't she just cut through fluidic space and get home? I was thinking that my own self. See, I don't know that they can go into fluidic space. They've done it. Yeah. See, that's what I'm saying. I don't think it's a thing. Mm. Like, I don't think I I think you may not be correct about that. It could be entirely possible. Yeah, I don't know. It's not like the show made it super clear. No. I just, I didn't get this plan. Like, basically what they wanted was to do an episode set at Starfleet Academy, and they've already done a We Go Back to Earth episode too many times. Yeah. So they're like, all right, let's do this then. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, again, if you don't think about it, it's actually not bad. And actually, I gotta say, this isn't even my good thing. It's just a, another time where Chuck wasn't terrible. No. I didn't buy a full-on fall-in-love courtship with the chick, but I did their flirtation was definitely, like, mm-hmm. it was reading for me, and usually him being charming doesn't work. Yeah. But I actually bought that that there was some charming going on well, there. Well, and I also, this woman bad. has been human for ten minutes, like, I love, I'm much more by her being a, teach me of your, this thing called sex, Chakotay. Yeah. Or Jason, which, whatever the fuck your name is. <laughs> Chakot, Jason, yeah, no, it doesn't really work. What's the most human name I can think of? Jason. Uh, yes, my name is Jason Realman. <laughs> now I'm just picturing him and Harry in a trench coat. <laughs> I'm Vincent Adultman. Yes. On my way to the business factory. Tom, Tom is like, uh, look, I saw this on a 20th century show. This will totally work. It's actually the 21st century. Tom. I saw yeah, this well, on, a 20, on a 21st century documentary. Yep. About horsemen. <laughs> A weird time in the late era in the early 2000s when there was yeah. just a lot of animal people running around. The weird thing is it was before World War Three. You would think, okay, maybe the fallout caused that. But mm-hmm. no, it was before all that. Yep. Very strange. Um. So, yeah, my... my uh, oh, I already said my bad thing, yeah. which is that they totally just ripped this off from DS9. Like, yep. straight up. Like, even to the point of walking around the uh, campus of Starfleet Academy. That's... The episode we had of Changelings infiltrating Earth yep. was walking around the campus of Starfleet Academy. Mm-hmm. It just uh, that not being even said, trying. I love the idea of uh, space, species eight four three five whatever uh, mm-hmm. showing up at Earth and to infiltrate Starfleet Academy, and it's already been infiltrated by a Dominions. Yeah, and just, there's like one human guy still. No, between these these guys and the Changelings, there's just like yeah, there's like one normal guy left. Yeah. The other thing is, even if that didn't happen, like, them getting to Starfleet Academy, and Starfleet Academy is ready for anyone. Uh, oh, yeah, they're <sighs> DNA testing everyone at this yeah, point. Yeah, exactly. It's like, sorry, guys, you should you chose the exact wrong time to uh, start infiltrating yeah. us. We, we have a war going on with people who can take human form, so we are very sensitive to this issue yeah. right now. Yeah, we're covered. Oh, man. Wow. Jane was just like, I saved the day. No. <laughs> we were pretty much ready for this. Yep. Getting back to, uh, what's her name, Archer, I I like, they wrote her as, and I can't tell if this was the human she was pretending to be or the actual alien learning about humanoid culture, mm-hmm. but she was super into Vulcan stuff. Like, oh, yeah. Like, painfully, like, sort of uncomfortably into Vulcan stuff. Like, she read about their philosophy and Tuvok shows up and she does the live long and prosper and he's like, oh, you're, okay, that's our thing, but sure. Yep, fine. She wants. She hangs out at the Vulcan cafe. What it does? No, a Vulcan bar. It's like a the Vulcan, Vulcan nightclub. It was called that has Ponfar night, which is horrible. Think about that. Like, we, okay, we've we've established through Spock and through Vorik that 
this is a very personal thing that they didn't even tell humans about for a long time. No, they don't we, like to talk about it to anyone. No, there was a whole episode about this, about, like, the Doctor being completely unfamiliar with Ponfar because Vulcans don't talk about it. It's not in the records. Yeah. Of, of this founding member of the Federation, a thing that every single member of their race goes through every seven years. You'd yep. think that would be in the medical textbooks for one of the founding, like, there's probably at least two or three of these guys on every ship. Yep. You'd think they would know. No, yeah, like, they just the, take care of it themselves. Yeah, like number two race in the Federation after humans. They might be number one. I mean, if you look at it in terms of they had warp before humans did and they showed up, you know, if you, like going with the general vibe of Enterprise, mm. like they were the overseers for a while. We also know that they have like Vulcan only ships like one of those showed yeah. up in DS9. Uh, one of those showed up in the original series. Uh, that's right. It blew up and Spock felt like a thousand voices cried out and were suddenly silenced. <laughs> Now you're fine, Spock. Thank like, you, Jim. Ten years before that other guy. Yep. Now, it's it's just like, really, there's a Vulcan club that does Ponfar Night. It just, like, that is cultural. And I kind of loved it. Like, it was awful, yep. but in a way that's realistic. Because, yeah. hey, that's what we do. Hey, come on down to Ponfar Night. And Vulcan, all the Vulcans at Starfleet Academy just like, Ugh. There's no Vulcan has ever stepped foot in there. Like, every now and then a human would be trying to bring their token Vulcan friend there. Yep. And he's just like, I'm not going to that place. Are you kidding me? His they name probably is Takan. <laughs> they probably have like um like uh, uh fake plastic ears. Oh totally. On. No, there's like a sexy waitress with like uh with like really shitty ears. Wearing a uh an Idic uh medallion. <laughs> Jeans out front selling them. <laughs> Talking about guys who look like Barth from you can't do that on television. <laughs> Idix for sale. It <laughs> yeah, I heard that. Tell them where you've been by getting an edic. Yep. I just, like, I'm, I'm reading the These Are the Voyages, you know, that super yeah. comprehensive one uh, about the making of the original series, and I'm up to season the season three book now. Mm. I was reading about the first episode where those appeared and how everyone just, like, refused to shoot the scene because it was just so crass. Yeah, everyone hated them. Yeah, I had forgotten about but that. But Gene's just awful. like, nah, I'm going to make an extra couple of bucks this way. No, no. What happened was, okay, real quick. Um... NBC uh, canceled the show. The letter writing campaign brought it back. Mm -hmm. NBC promised them a decent time slot, then uh, went back on that and gave them 10 o'clock on Friday night. Oh, Gene said, well, I'm not going to produce the show if you're not putting on a good time. I quit. <sighs> and he didn't full on quit. He was still executive producer, but he wasn't involved in the day to day. Sure. He had an office like upstairs and he barely got involved in anything. And mm -hmm. it's just like, dude. You have this well-loved thing that you want to put your name all over. You didn't get your own way, and so you quit? Mm -hmm. what, what a dick. And then he started selling these medallions. Yep. Just, the, what? what is your deal, man? And anyway, anyway. Based off, wasn't it based off an idea that, like, Leonard had, too, or something? I think, I don't remember offhand. I don't want to I remember Nimoy talking about, like, yeah, I never, I never got a cut of that. I, I don't know. You're probably right. I just it just happens to be on my mind because I read it this week. Yeah. But uh, yeah, this is our weekly kick gene while he's dead <laughs> segment. I continue to be fine with that. Yeah. The more I learn about Gene Roddenberry, the less I want to know about Gene Roddenberry. Yeah, pretty much. Anyway. Um, but yeah, Vulcan Club just feels it feels right. It feels awful, yep. but it feels right. Yep. So <laughs> I kind of liked that. And I like that she was, like I say, I couldn't tell if it was the character she was supposed to be playing or if it was actually her. I definitely got that vibe, though, that like, you know. She has a couple of their books, and so she thinks she knows all about it. She's yep. one of those kind of people. Mm -hmm. so. We all know someone like that. Yeah. We all probably were someone like uh, that definitely. at some point. <laughs> you know. Um, 
Let's see what else. Looking at my notes. Uh, notes, notes, notes. No. Oh, they mentioned Picard, so that was a thing. Yeah. yeah everyone oh, was let's like, talk about. Okay, oh. let's talk about Boothby. Oh yeah, please. So you you didn't love that he was sort of like everyone's mentor. I no, actually kind of like that. They made him like you go back to he first showed up in Next Gen and he was like this guy who was like the groundskeeper and he was super important to Picard. Yeah. And like you know he was a real big deal. Like and I like that a lot. Yeah. Um, I'm less thrilled with the idea that he's everybody's mentor. I don't think he's literally everybody's, but I think he's just the old guy who's lived there forever, and certain students take a shine to him, and he's been there for 50 years, so it's happened a lot. Like I just I like that. I'm fine with everyone knowing who he is. Like that makes sense to me. But that like, he, but like, that like he's also got this relationship with Kate. Like I don't. I'm I'm not a fan of that. You know, eh, doesn't bother me. I feel like there's only one. Like there's there's only one Boothby. You know what I mean? There's mm-hmm. only one. Old guy who's been there and seen everything and kind of keeps tabs on the students and knows where they went off to, you know. Yep. Because they play that. It's like, oh, uh, you were from this ship because that was assigned here. Or you're from this ship who was assigned here. Like, he he kind of knows what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like, I don't know. I, I feel like it makes sense that, like I say, maybe two or three students from every class kind of take a liking to him. Yeah. I'm also not a fan that they decided to make him, like, the boss. No, I didn't love that. It, it like was clear that they ranks like they're going by, um, like they're going by Starfleet military structure. Yeah, you know, like the admiral is in charge, except yeah. Boothby's his boss. Yeah, like what? Well, it was clear, like just from a casting standpoint, they wanted to use uh, Ray Walston again. Sure, uh, my favorite Martian, Ray Walston. <laughs> Seriously, that was he. No, was I know the, the title character in my in, in the '50s sitcom, my favorite Martian, or possibly '60s. I don't remember. Sure, but, he's not my um, favorite Martian. The thing is, he's he's fun. Like I like that guy. Mm-hmm. Well, and he's and, a good actor. He's like he's very charismatic. Yeah, and he gets it. He gets what he's doing. Yeah, like he understands Star Trek is you play your emotions big, but not too big. Like there's a lot of guest stars that they get that are good in other things that don't really get Star Trek because mm-hmm. it's a little over the top, but it's not completely over the top. Yeah, and he he gets it right in that range. Yeah, which I like. I just don't um, think they should have made him king. That's yeah. I didn't like that. Also, when we talk about his relationship with Kate, mm. what that relationship is is he would give her a rose every day. So she's so he's like eighty. Yep. And she's like at the academy, so maybe twenty twenty one, something like that. And he's just giving her a rose every day. That's mm-hmm. not creepy in that, any way. I feel really? like I feel like this is one of those things where he's been there for like fifty years, and then someone finds out that he's been doing this with cadets for like all that time, and it's like ew. The thing is, I don't think he's putting the move moves on her or anything like that. I, it just, I don't want to think about that. But it did feel like, yeah, all right, pretty girl, here's a flower every day. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Gramps. And, and a red rose, which signifies only one thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. Great. Just a little, little dumb. How's it going, toots? <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. I uh, shouldn't call you that. Uh, how's it going, babe? Yeah, yeah, sweet better. cheeks. I, I nailed it. <laughs> Boothby, you did it again. <laughs> at one hero. point, at one point, he describes Seven as a gussied up Borg. I like that. <laughs> I, I I would not use the phrase gussied in relation to Seven, but you know, no, okay. but I liked it. I don't know. Like I like this one gussied up Borg over there. No one, the gussied up Borg was here last week. He's mm. dead now. Yes, he was also very gussied though. Yeah, bit gussied. Mm-hmm. Bit of a gussy factor. The Gussie Factor is actually an episode we're doing next week, by the way. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> uh, and my quote is actually Boothby. 
uh, talking to Janeway, which which is this. Captain Janeway. Good to see you after all these years. Enjoying the Delta Quadrant? Don't get sassy with me, young lady. I, I don't know. I, I just, I liked his folksy, like, it was, again, don't think about it for even a second. Mm-hmm. But it was kind of, like, charming in and of itself. Sure. So, that's all. Uh, anything else? Uh, it's in Talk to Picard, Han Far Night. Oh, yeah, speaking of cultural appropriation, uh, there's a Klingon martini. Oh, yeah, that at least, I think, feels like a uh, human invention to me. Well, she said uh, uh, vermouth and yeah. uh, vodka and, uh, or not vodka, uh, whatever the fuck's in a martini. I don't All of you fucking alcoholics are screaming at me. I don't, I don't know. drink martinis. They're fucking gross. Yeah, and, and blood wine. Yeah. What I'm saying is they put blood wine in what is, uh, is otherwise in a martini. Yeah. And, huh. like, really? So you poured wine in a liquor drink? Yeah. No, I'm watching it, and, and she says, it's a Klingon martini. I'm like, Klingons don't drink martinis. And then she's like, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, that's clearly something <laughs> That's clearly something some jerk invented. Yeah. Like, oh, hey, we're at Starfleet, so let's go to the Quantum Cafe and have a Klingon martini. I I love Star Trek, but th- yeah. there's a, there's a, they always come back to that at some point where it's like, hey, space something. I think, like, I think uh, the the Abrams movies were the least bad at it. They yep. were still bad at it, but they were, like, when we're in the bar in the first one, and she orders a couple of spacey things, but also, like, a Budweiser, just yep. at least there's some things that exist that are things yep. that we know. And, like, okay, this product that has been popular here for a long time, bad or good, it's still a popular product, mm-hmm. it still exists. Okay, good. I hope by the 23rd century, Budweiser is at least drinkable. I doubt that. Yeah. I mean, I don't drink beer, so I don't know. But it was bought by um, by a, a Belgian company that makes good beer. And mm. from what I understand, it's still crap. <laughs> well, so. yeah, they, they they want that so that they can also sell their good beer. I, I guess. I I'm know. sorry. I live in Portland. I'm a beer snob now. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> all right. Anything else? Uh, No. That is all for this week, then. So join us next week for some maybe. We will show you another one. Who who the hell knows? Once upon a time and timeless. So uh, good. Two episodes with time in the title. Oh, I hope they're about time. Probably time at time. So it might be like uh, Scott Zioko's favorite episode, Time and Again. Mm-hmm. That'll so stay be, tuned for that, Scott. I I guess. Until I then, know. see you, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2016. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this.